Hello, kids. Glad to see you. Glad you made it. Happy to have you on board. Welcome, welcome. This is Bob Bro, and this is the best old-time radio podcast for Wednesday, July the 21st, 2021. So happy to have you along. We, uh, we have a good show for you today. You know, on Wednesdays, we play a mystery, or sometimes they're known as a uh, detective show, a detective show, an old-time radio detectives, old-time radio mysteries, old-time radio police, old-time radio crime dramas. Ah, which would you say, Chester? Yeah, mysteries. Mysteries kind of gets it, gets it all. Uh, anyway, today we have an episode of Gangbusters. And this was first broadcast December 20th, 1947. And it's a pretty good one. And it features Will Smith. You are Not Will Smith. Excuse me. Will Gear. Will Smith is the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, right? Will Gear. Remember Will Gear? He played Grandpa on the Waltons. Yeah, we'll talk a little bit about him at the end of the show. Uh, not too much, but a little bit. He's kind of an interesting guy. And uh, it also involves the blood sport of uh, game, uh, what do they call them? Gamecocks, rooster fighting, which is a horrible, horrible sport. And we even visit a, a cockfight, what they call a cockfight, a rooster fight in this episode. Although fortunately, the sound effects aren't as realistic as I'm sure they must be if you actually went to one of these. Uh, this sport, uh, blood sport, it's not even a sport, but anyway, this this thing is illegal now in all 50 states. But you know, it, it didn't become illegal uh, in the state of Louisiana until 2007. And there were other states where it was legal for a number of years, and I, it must have been in... in uh, I think this takes place in North Carolina in 1947, so it must have been legal in North Carolina. Now, later, the case moves to Tennessee, and they mention that it's illegal there. So I don't know how that... Actually, it's a felony now. It's a federal felony, I believe. And it can be against the law in most states even to own these types of birds if you're raising them for fighting. So anyway, that's... But it's just part of our story tonight. But uh, it's a pretty good one. So what I want need you to do is get over there in that big easy chair and uh, put your feet up and just relax. Get yourself a little refreshment. Let the cares of the day drift away. Because we have coming up now a case on the gangbusters entitled The Tennessee Valley Killer. And it's going to start in just a moment.
And now, Gangbusters! Gangbusters, presented in cooperation with police and federal law enforcement departments throughout the United States. The only national program that brings you authentic police case histories. Gangbusters and facts that show the operation of our law enforcement officials in their war against the underworld. Gangbusters has asked the Honorable Lynn Bomar, Commissioner of Safety, State of Tennessee, to narrate by proxy tonight's case. The inside facts in the case of the Tennessee Valley Killer. Commissioner Bomar, from what you've told me, the criminals in tonight's case certainly must have been a weird aggregation. That's one description of them, Don Gardner. But their weird characteristics, uh, especially those of the gang leader, made them no less dangerous. As a matter of fact, this gang leader was at one time considered the most dangerous fugitive at large in the country. Oh, well, uh, why don't you tell us about him, Commissioner? All right, Don. I think it would be best to begin a short time ago at a county seat in a tobacco-grown section of North Carolina. One noon hour, the proprietor of a local tobacco warehouse walked down to the courthouse square and approached a stranger who was sitting alone on a bench. Howdy. Uh, howdy. I guess there's room on that bench for another one. Help yourself. Bench belongs more to you than to me. I'm the stranger here. Awful unseasonable weather we've been having. Oh, weather doesn't bother me none. I've learned to take what they give me. Well, I guess I ought Wait, to... Wait, now, wait just a second. Uh, oh. I'm Roy Clark. I own the tobacco warehouse here. I'm oh, pleased to know you, Mr. Clark. Are you the uh, same stranger that was in Logan's feed store this morning? I was in a feed store. I don't know whether it was Logan's. I, uh, I hear you got some birds you're mighty proud of. I got a few Baltimore top nuts, I fancy. Have you got them with you? Well, not this minute. Well, have you got them near? Well, um, out of the cabin camp a mile or so north. Well, you know, strange, I've got a few birds myself I'm kind of proud of. Yeah? Aslan Redquills. Mm, don't care none for the breed. Oh, I found them to last pretty good against Baltimore top knots. Not that I ever heard. You wouldn't uh, care for test? Hmm? Oh, I wouldn't mind one. Tonight? Anytime. Well, we've got a cockpit in the basement of that furniture store there, north of the square. Oh, uh, the uh, brick building? Uh? Yeah. Nine o'clock? It suits me. I've got seven birds I'll fight. And seven's all right. What have you got for stakes? $200 a match, $1,000 a main. Well, you are proud of your birds. If I wasn't, I wouldn't have them. Well, we can make the stake. Conditions are short heels. Birds may not be touched after setting down the pit. If a bird refuses to fight longer, he's set down in the middle of the pit, breast to breast, with his adversary. 
If he still then refuses to fight longer, he's regarded as defeated. Hmm? Satisfactory, Mr. Clark. All right. I'll see you tonight, then. Good day, sir, and good luck. I don't know, Troy. Two hundred a match and a thousand dollars a main? Them Eslin Red Quills and Mr. Clark's are birds with spirit. Maybe you bit off more than you could chew. Don't you worry about it, Doc. I'll handle the business arrangements. You just look after the chores. Come in here, Grant. Come in here. What's been keeping you? Uh, what did I ever get myself into? Spring water. <laughs> Honest, Doc. Ordinary tap water ain't good enough for you. Where's the pail bucket at? Where'd you think? Out there next to the roosters. Roosters? Can't you get it through that thick Yankee head of yours that fighting cocks is fighting cocks? Yeah, they're still roosters to me. Ah. And the only way I'll have them's with mashed potatoes and gravy. <laughs> What's the matter, Grant? Haven't you got no sporting blood? Yankee blood. That's what he's got. Yankee blood. Go on, go on. I got your spring water. Go on, attend to your chickens. Chicken? Now, see here, you yeah, wouldn't... Doc. Uh... Go on. Get them birds shaped up. Ah, fine lot of appreciation anybody gets around here. Spring water, graham bread for a bunch of chickens. That's what puts them in the best shape. Because that cow doctor says so? Because I say so. Oh, now look, Troy, it's okay for a guy to have a hobby. I got nothing against that. But I've been knocking around since who knows when. This is the first mob I ever ran into that operates with a bunch of chickens and a cow doctor. We've been doing okay with the chickens and the cow doctor, have we? Well, there's lots of ways to do okay. I like this way. We get what we're after and I have a little sport. All right. What's the deal for tonight? The first two birds go into the pit at nine o'clock. With the seven matches, we ought to be busy there nearly two hours. What about the warehouse? You sure nobody will be around? Now, look, I know these folks. They'll all be at the cockfight. You won't have no trouble. You can be in and out of that safe in plenty of time. Some, some job you picked out for me. You can do it. You'll have Doc to help. <laughs> some help. Probably treat that safe like an ailing calf. Just you do a good job. If you get finished up, come by the cockpit. I'll stall the matches as long as I can until I see you. Well, okay. But have them birds of yours win, will you? I don't feel like breaking into a safe and then having to pay out all the dough and bad bets. You just open up that safe, Grant. I'll see the birds come out okay. Aslan red quills. <laughs> Mr. Clark thinks there are any match for a Baltimore topknots. He's got another thing coming. All right, come in now. Jumping, jumping. Well, did you change your opinion of Baltimore topknots, Mr. Come Clark? On. I'm not beat yet. Go on, get in there. Mix it. Come on. Now, would you like to up the stakes, Mr. Clark? Get in there. Get in there. How you doing, Troy? It's in the bag. Three to one, and this is for the main. Go on, get him. Get him. We gotta get him. Grand. Clean as much as wash. Okay. Tell doctor get ready to move. We'll be through here in another ten minutes. Finish. Finish him. Finish him. Finish him. Come on, finish him. Finish him. You're Mr. Clark? That's right, sir. My name's McDonald. I'm a special agent of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Oh, yes. Sheriff called and said you're on your way over. Sit down, sir. Thanks. Mr. Clark, you're positive the man who owns the birds at Fort Yours is the same man whose photograph you identified at the sheriff's office? I couldn't be much more positive, sir. The man was standing no farther from me than you're sitting right now for two hours or more. 
Mm-hmm. It's beyond me how any man who fights gamecocks can stoop to such a low occupation as safe burglary. Yes, I can see your point. I had no idea, Mr. McDonald. No idea at all. Imagine burglarizing my safe here at the warehouse while I was engaged in a sporting match. And he was well-spoken, too. Well, that makes no difference, Mr. Clark. There are lots of well-spoken criminals. And their specialty is disarming such victims as you. Did you know that this man, Troy Blankenship, is wanted in at least a half-dozen states? Oh, I know. Did you know that he killed a police officer? What? He's a murderer. A murderer? That's right. He escaped North Carolina State Prison some time ago. He almost committed a second murder when he assaulted a guard. Since that time, he's been responsible for robberies and burglaries here in North Carolina and Virginia, Ohio, Indiana, Kentucky, and Tennessee. Well, uh, so you can see how important it is for us to apprehend him. Yes, sir, I can see. And a man who breathes gamecocks. Now, Mr. Clark, I want to go over every word that passed between you and Troy Blankenship. Perhaps somewhere in your conversation he dropped a hint that would give us an idea of his present whereabouts. All right, Mr. McDonald, my time is yours. Well, Don, there wasn't much Mr. Clark would say that would lead authorities to the whereabouts of Troy Blankenship and his gang. By that time, they were well over the state line and had arrived at a small town with the intention of robbing a post office safe of a sack of registered mail they knew to contain an enormous amount of cash. But Doc's passion for cow doctrine led his companions to the brink of disaster, as you will see. You are telling us, Commissioner Bomar, that Troy Blankenship and his strange gang had crossed the state line and planned to rob a post office safe of a large shipment of cash. That's right, Don. Once at the town, they sought to determine the exact time the shipment of cash would arrive. Troy Blankenship and the criminal Grant stood on the platform of the local railroad station shortly after the afternoon train pulled in. Okay, Grant, I've seen enough. Let's go. Yeah, right with you. That sack he just signed for him. It's the registered mail. Oh, look, Troy, let's grab it here at the station. It'll be a cinch. Small town, one cop. What are we waiting for? Oh, no, we'll do it like I figured. Well, why break into the post office? We could lift it off those guys and we got it. Go on, get in the car. Oh. Come along. Get in. You see it, Troy? How'd it look? It looks okay. Yes, you nothing, Yankee. Hey, now listen. All right, all right. Yeah. Well, how do we do it, Troy? Well, if you listen, I'll tell you. I'm listening. They take that payroll and lock up the post office overnight. Hmm? Tomorrow morning, the boss of the construction gang comes to pick it up. Only it won't be there. Uh, We're taking it out of the post office tonight. Well, let's grab it now. They won't know what hit them. If Troy says it's tonight, it's tonight. Look, Doc, why don't you stick to patching up those chickens? Are you blue-coated rotten? Okay, okay. <sighs> uh, here's how we do it, and I don't want any argument. Doc. Yeah, Troy? The postmaster owns that farm I showed you, about a mile outside of town. The one with the pretty little white barn? Yeah, that's it. Nice barn. You go pay a call on him. Sure, Troy, but what am I going to call on him about? Listen, you'll get told. Not by no one named Grant. All right, all right. Hmm. Doc, that postmaster has a habit of coming back to the post office. Some nights to work. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't want him back there tonight. But if he wants to go to the post office, how am I going to keep him? Now, that'll be harder than getting a ghoul off a tooth dentist. I said I'll tell you how to keep him. Uh, get this car out of here. Sure, Troy, but how? I said I'll tell you, move. Uh, 
noon, Mr. Postmaster. Yeah, what is it? Your missus said I'd find you out here near the barn. Now, I, I got a number of gadgets for sale here. Razor blades, pocket knives, cuff links, and et cetera. You caught I... me at a busy moment, mister. I don't want uh, Well, sir, and I even got some of the finest game cocks ever you did lay eyes on. With each purchase, we're giving away the finest gold plated keychain this side of the Tennessee River. I said it... you caught me at a busy moment. Uh, You'll have to make it some other time, mister. Uh, I got a sick cow. Uh, sick? Cow? Yeah. Did you say a sick cow, Mr. Postmaster? I was just going to call the veterinarian. Mr. Postmaster, you're the most luckiest man in the county that I come along. I'm a natural-born cow doctor. Been fixing cows since I was just a kid of a boy. Yeah, but... I'll I... have that cow brood well again before any veterinarian fellow could even get halfway up the hill. You just show me where she is at. Well, she's right in the barn, but don't you think just it might... Just lead me there, Mr. Postmaster. Just lead me there. Well, I'll... Uh, right this way. I'll have it fixed up in no time. No time at all. Uh, in here. Uh-uh. Brute sounds sick, all right. Yeah. I can tell from here what's ailing him. Mm, it's a bad case of traveling brayer stills. Traveling brayer still? Yes, sir. And I can fix her up in a jiffy. I'll have her back on her feet come night and giving milk come morning. Uh, if it's that serious, I suppose I should get in touch with the veterinarian. Oh, it's serious, all right, but simple. Simple as they come. Now, I noticed I come up the road, you had some nice tall pine trees are growing. How old are them pines? Uh, I don't know. Well, pine needles got to be from trees just the right age. Now, I got some right age pine needles over where I'm staying. Well, now, look. Now, I... Mr. Postmaster. Now, you get me them mustard greens and the brine water. I'll be back here in a half hour with the pine needles. Now, don't touch that cow till I get back. <laughs> and the poster master does exactly like I asked him. <laughs> hey, come on, Troy, get me there. I told him I'd be back in a half hour. What about this traveling brayer stilts? I never heard of any such cow sickness. You didn't? You know I didn't. Oh, Troy, I'm ashamed of you. Shamed to death are you. They had an epidemic of traveling brayers stills back in, uh, 03. It darn near killed every cow brute in both Carolinas. Yes, sir. Traveling brayers stills. Darn near every cow brute in the whole South died. You should have done it like I told you and forgotten about the cow doctrine. I'm keeping the postmaster away from the post office, ain't it? I keep him away. Hey, go on, Troy. Drive. Drive me there. That cow needs me. Yeah, like I need you. I know you need me, Troy, but you can get into this post office without me. I guess you can do it. Oh, what's keeping him, Troy? Should have been here waiting for us. He'll be here. Take it easy. Uh, besides, nobody will know about that job until morning. There's plenty of time. Well, we got a nice pile of dough out of that post office, and I don't feel like it. Okay. It's all right. He's coming in now. Oh, it's about time. He ought to know better. Well, then you lay off a duck. Hello, Troy. You ain't been waiting long. Where were you? I got here, didn't I? What happened, Doc? Young fella told me where I could get some spring water for the birds. Spring water? I... Yeah. We're waiting here to lamb out of town. Where's your head? Okay, let's get going. Where's the car park? Right out in front, just in the... Uh, uh-oh. What's the matter? The poster master. The postmaster? Yeah. And that's the law with him. Well, come on. Let's get out. Hold it. I'll uh, talk our way around. But supposing there ain't words enough. Hold it. We'll get out. But first we'll talk. Hey, you. Uh, me? Yeah, we want to talk to you. That's the one, Deputy Hickson. Oh, hello, Mr. Postmaster. What's the trouble, officer? Lots of trouble, boys. The postmaster here's got a complaint. 
Oh, is that right? Well, if there's anything I can do to straighten it out... I'm afraid all the damage has been done. Oh, what damage? I guess you better come along with us. Hey, turn me loose. Let go of me. Yeah, just a second, officer. There's no use talking about it here. I've already sworn out a warrant against this man. Against Doc? I'm charging him with practicing veterinary without a license. Oh. The cow died. Traveling breath stilts. <laughs> uh, well, she wouldn't have died if you'd done like I told you. We can't argue about it here. Let's go. Oh. Yeah, now, just a second. Uh, my friend's an old cow doctor from the hill country. That doesn't give him the right to practice veterinary in this state. And kill my cow. I did not need to kill your cow. As soon as I get him booked, you can come down and make bond for him. Let's go. Come on, come on. You go my bonds, won't you, boss? You go my bonds. Sit tight, Doc. I'll be there. Well, ain't this some mess? Just be thankful he didn't come to get us all on account of that safe cracking. Hey. Hmm? What? If Doc opens up his mouth, he can tell him plenty. <laughs> you just waking up to that? Well, let's get him out, fast. Why? What? Well, he's been stringing along with you, hasn't he? He's been doing all your dirty work. This is a good chance to dump him. Let him talk if he wants to. He can't tell him much. You mean you let the old guy rot there in jail? How much could the bail be? Whatever it is, it's too much. Come on. We gotta make time. Troy. What? It ain't right. How do you know what's right and what isn't? Come on. Let's get moving before he talks sooner than we figure. Oh, all right. Yeah, I got a nice program lined up for us. Doc found to get away. Take it easy, will you? Time coming. Yeah. Yeah, who is it? It's me. Open up. Oh. Yeah, hello, Troy. <laughs> Come on in. What's the matter with you, Grant? Uh, How many times do I have to knock? I had a big night last night. Yeah, well, you've been having too many big nights lately. We're making dough, aren't we? <laughs> what do you expect me to do with it? Open a bank account? The big times are over, Grant. We're moving out of here and going back to some real work. Oh, what's your hurry? Let's stick around and enjoy our score a while. Nothing doing. It's East Tennessee and back to work. Go ahead, Troy. You write me how you make out. You're coming with me. No, I don't think so. I like it pretty much here. I said you're coming with me. You're not going to push me around like you pushed that cow, Doctor. I said you're coming along. Yeah, that's what you think. Now get your hands off me. Okay. So you've taken a plan with knives. Sure, Troy, and this one will fit right in between your ribs. You want a sample, just try something. Now get out. Okay, Grant. I uh, guess you don't want to come with me. I'm glad you know it. Well, I... Hey, give me that knife. Oh, let go. Oh, oh, oh Troy. Hey, Troy. 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 Thanks. Thanks a lot for the knife. Oh, now, wait a minute, Troy. Troy, I'll go with you. When do you want to leave? Soon, Grant. Real soon. Oh, 
Special Agent McDonald. This is Deputy Sheriff Hickson McDonald. I just got your message to call back. Uh, look, Hickson, Grant regained consciousness again. I was out at the hospital to see him. Yes? He says now that before his argument started with Troy Blankenship, they were talking about some jobs in East Tennessee. Any place specific, McDonald? No, that's the trouble. Well, East Tennessee takes in a lot of territory. Troy might have changed his mind after the fight. I know, but it's our only lead, and you know he's pretty fond of cockfighting. So I hear. Well, there are some places where they still hold cockfights in East Tennessee, aren't there? Yes, some places, but it's not exactly legal, you know. I know, but they do hold cockfights. And if Troy Blankenship's in the neighborhood, he's going to show up. I'd say he would. Okay. Supposing I come over to see you in the morning. We'll figure out how we're going to get all those sporting exhibitions covered. Well, McDonald, I, I don't suppose Blankenship will show up here tonight. Not if he's missed this much already. Yes. Getting kind of late. Come on. Yeah, I had enough of this. And I, uh, I've heard about another cockfight that's supposed to come off near Del Rio tomorrow night. Do you want to look into that one? By all means. Leaving early, gentlemen. Still three matches to go. Yeah, well, we got a long drive. I can't stay. Good night. There it is. Gotten pretty chilly. Yes, my car's right uh, over here. Excuse me, fellas. This way they're holding the matches. Yeah, right inside of Blankenship. Get them up. Some of the time. After him. He ducked in that doorway. He's still there. Hold it. I don't see him. Let's move up a little closer. And duck. Come on. See him? No, not yet. Better get a beat on him from behind that car. Yeah, let's go. I see him. Hold your fire. All right, Blankenship. Come out of there. We know you're in that doorway. Come out with your hands up. Try again. Come out, Blankenship. Come out or we'll shoot. Okay. I'm coming. Keep your hands over your head. They're over my head. Just take it easy. Don't shoot. Got the cuffs on him. Right. You're not a very good shot. Maybe not. But anyway, I uh, ducked you a long time. Perhaps you did, Blankenship, but right now there are a few charges of robbery and assault to kill you're facing. Let's see how you ducked them. Let's go. That, Don, was the end of the road for an unusual public enemy. Troy Blankenship is now back in North Carolina State Prison, where he is serving out his term for murder. Well, thank you, Commissioner Bomar, for this interesting case history. And gangbusters congratulations to all the officers who participated in the investigation leading up to the recapture of Troy Blankenship. Leading roles were played by Arthur Vinton and Will Gear. Don Gardner speaking. Gangbusters is a Phillips H. Lord production. Not a very nice guy, this Troy Blankenship. 
Well, that was the case of the Tennessee Valley Killer on Gangbusters, as first broadcast on CBS 12, 2047. I can never get used to Gangbusters having no music. I don't know. I, I it, it was what they were going for. Obviously, it was a sound they were going for, a unique sound they were going for. Um, I just like music in the transitions. But anyway, that is me. So I hope you enjoyed that one. That one featured uh, Will Gear, and um, who was a most interesting fellow. <clears throat> he was born in 1902. He died in 1978. So he lived to be 76 years old. He was, um, along with being an actor, he was also a musician, but he was also known as a social activist. He was very active in labor organizing and other movements, uh, both in New York and Southern California in the 30s and the 40s. And he became friends with uh, Woody Guthrie. And they both lived in New York City for a while. And he got very involved in liberal politics to the point that he was put on the blacklist back in the 50s. And uh, it's interesting. He developed a sort of a I don't know how else to put it, sort of a commune in the Topanga Canyon area of Los Angeles during that time where he uh, uh, worked with young actors and he, he had a, uh, basically a theater built or, or, or designed that, uh, where they could uh, come and practice their craft. There he, uh, he did plays, he coached actors. But he also held political and philosophical discussions and a whole lot of folk singing. And coming out of those dark years, uh, when he came back into Hollywood, he started off playing small roles in movies. But then, uh, well, I remember he was in Jeremiah Johnson with Robert Redford. Remember that? <laughs> and uh, he was also in the movie Executive Action that was about assassinating the president. But he made numerous television appearances, but he was best known, of course, for uh, playing Grandpa Walton on The Waltons. And he died about halfway through the run of that show. And then Ellen Corby, who played Grandma, his wife, uh, the rest of the way was uh, was a uh, a widow. Anyway, Will Gear, nice to hear him on a uh, old-time radio show. gang that's going to do it for wednesday july the 21st 2021 so glad you came along we will be back tomorrow with our old time radio western because that's what we do on thursdays going out tonight i was looking at the song list from 1947 which was the year our gangbusters was released and uh, woody guthrie had a big hit that year with this land is your land I had done an interesting story on Woody Guthrie years ago uh, on one of my, my shows, and I, I was going to try to find it. I couldn't find it. It's there sometime if I do find it. I'll, 
I'll play it for you. He gave a lot of history of Woody Guthrie. But uh, sometimes people don't understand exactly what this song was truly about uh, when he wrote it. Because the, uh, the a copy of the song that they would play on the radio was pretty much sanitized. It only took the verses that uh, they wanted you to hear. But a lot of this song was a protest song. So anyway, I'm going to play it for you right now. And he gets a little help here from Bruce Springsteen. Okay? This is Bob Bro. I'm so glad you stopped by. And I'm so glad you met me. And I'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. land is your land and this land is my land from the california to the new york island from the redwood forest to the gulf stream waters this land was made for you and me as i went a walk in that ribbon of highway i saw above me that endless skyway Saw below me that golden valley This land was made for you and me There's a book out right now, it's called Woody Guthrie, A Life. It's about this fella named Joe Klein. And uh, it's really, it's really a great book and this is this song was originally, it was written as an angry song, it was an answer to Irving Berlin who just wrote God Bless America. And, and, and this song was written as an answer to that song. And uh, it's just about one of the most beautiful songs ever written. Anyway, let's do this for you.
Through the sparkling sands of her diamond deserts And all around me a voice was calling It said this land was made for you and me Well this land is your land This land is my land From California to the New York Island From the Redwood Forest to the Gulf Stream waters Well this land was made Now the sun came shining And I was strolling Oh, the wheat fields waving And the dust clouds rolling And our voice was sounding As the fog was lifting it Said this land was made for you and me Oh, this land is your land Made for you and me. 